Proverbs 4.23, we've talked about it. We've said it every week for the last four weeks. Proverbs 4.23. Proverbs 4.23. In the, in a, sorry, I was at the ER late last night, so I'm a little tired. My mouth's trying to catch up. So there was a little ear problem. with. Oh, there she is. It's fantastic. Good to see you. Shh, yeah, she perforated her eardrum last night. So uh, bleeding in the ear will get you right in at the ER. So if you have some problems, put some food coloring in your ear, and they'll, they'll get you right in the door. So it uh, didn't last long, five minutes, because then they look at you and go, oh, you're fine, go home. So, um, but anyway, Proverbs 4.23 says, above all else, guard your heart, for everything that you do flows from it. And we've talked about over the last three weeks some different, different attitudes or issues or affairs of the heart, some things that have maybe grown in a dark place in our life because we've gotten very good at monitoring our behavior, we've monitored our language, we've gotten to the point where we don't say that anymore most of the time, or we don't do that anymore, or just occasionally, uh, working in our lives, not on our behavior modification, but on our heart modification, allowing the Holy Spirit to, to, to search and to look and to, to get inside in those dark places where we've put something away and hidden something. Sometimes we know about it, sometimes we forgot about it, but maybe it's, it's there and it causes things. The things in your heart, the hidden things in your heart that aren't supposed to be there, the detrimental things, they cause actions and behaviors. They cause you to say those things. And out of, out of, our, out of our own understanding, we say, I didn't mean that. That's not me. I'm not really like that. But it says in the word that out of the abundance of the heart, the mouth speaks. It says in Matthew chapter 15 that we're defiled from within. And it's those things that have come our way and we haven't allowed to pass by us that lodge in our heart. And when they're stuck there, they become an issue. And I said in that first service three weeks ago, they were like an earthquake. You know, and they're, they're building tension and they're building pressure. And earthquakes have faults and those fault lines lie way under the ground. And those two pieces of earth are against each other and they're pushing and there's great stress. So there's great power and, and there's, there's, a, there's a lot of energy that's being held up in those places. But it's below the surface and nobody really knows that that's going on. In your life, maybe it's the same thing. Maybe it's forgiveness, like we talked about the second week, or guilt. Maybe jealousy in your life, as we talked about last week. But those things are deep in your heart. And the problem is, when those faults finally give way, they don't cause great destruction under the earth. They cause great destruction on the surface. And in your life, when those faults give way, that's when you explode. And it's usually an explosion on somebody who didn't have anything to do with why that fault was there. In our lives, usually, anger is, is completely misappropriated. You're usually angry at the wrong person. You usually take out your frustration, your guilt, or your jealousy on somebody else. It's not necessarily geared toward the person or thing that you're guilty of or that you're angry at. And so in our lives, we've had to learn to deal with those. And over the last couple of weeks, we have. We talked in the second week about guilt, and we talked about anger and how they bring a de debtor relationship. And that guilt says, I owe you, and anger says, you owe me. But the only way for those debts to be paid is through forgiveness, through wiping away the slate and cleaning the slate. Because that person that I feel owes me can't probably do anything to repay me. Because they stole something from me three years ago, it's probably not going to be taken care of by them doing something for me. With anger at the issue and the idea that says, you owe me, the only way that that can really truly be taken care of is for me to forgive you. And then that wipes the debt clean. With the guilt situation, it says, I owe you, and I'm guilty. And I even say stuff like, I owe you an apology. I feel like I need to make that right. In those situations, that's a debt that needs to be paid, and the only way it can be paid is through forgiveness. See, I owe you, so I have to ask your apology. I have to say, I am sorry. 
I have to ask forgiveness. I have to forgive myself many times. But forgiveness is the act. The power of forgiveness was that message that begins to take away that debt in that, in that particular instance. Last week, we shared a little bit about jealousy. We talked about the fact that, that we can be envious of things. We can be envious of people for a lot of different reasons. Not just what we think, like they've got a pretty outfit or they've got a nice car. It could be because they have the job that you wanted. It could be the fact that their kids are nicer than yours. It could be the fact that their house is better than yours. I mean, there's a lot of reasons and a lot of issues with jealousy. And jealousy is a very difficult one, and it's a very destructive one. Because, because in our lives, it, it really begins to keep us focused on people and stuff and not our provider. Jealousy is difficult because we have to understand that my problem isn't with you having stuff. My problem is with me not having stuff. And that makes my problem truly, if I believe that God is the supplier and I believe that God provides all for us, that makes my problem with him, not really with you. We like to say that my problem's with Joe. You know, I'm just jealous and I, I want what Joe has and that's a problem. What that says is I can't be happy unless I get what Joe has. Maybe Joe could help me out, maybe give me that thing. Well, that's not gonna make me happy. See, I'm looking to Joe for my happiness. I'm looking to Joe for my joy. I'm looking to Joe to to be the one who sustains me. See, we said you have to be satisfied in who God created you to be, and as you walk along the path of faith and God brings things into your life, you have to be satisfied with who God's made you and what he's given you. And in our life, satisfaction is the thing that we have to walk in and strive for. And we do that through love. And say, well, I'm not jealous of them. Well, were you secretly happy when they lost their job? Did something on the inside of you kind of make you smile when their kids got in trouble? Did something go wrong when they wrecked their car and you kind of (laughs) went, see, when the guy down the street, like we said last week, who had all the stuff and you knew he he couldn't afford that, but you kind of wanted those things too in your life, but you were doing it the right way. And he wasn't, and then he went into bankruptcy, and you went, "Uh uh-huh, see, I told you. See, that's a person who struggles with really, truly with jealousy in in their life. I use the example of wanting to be six foot two and the fact that I love tall people now. Why? Because I'm going to celebrate in others what I think I deserve or what I think I need. I'm going to celebrate your successes. I'm going to be your biggest cheerleader. When you get the promotion and I don't, I'm going to be your greatest cheerleader. I'm going to be the one who comes alongside and says, what can I do to help you? But that was my job. Well, that's not your job now because God's the one who promotes. And if it was your job, then God would have done that. Man doesn't promote. God promotes. And so in your life, you become a celebrator of those people who are around you. And we say, well, that's not really fair. We say, well, the word of God doesn't necessarily say that everything's fair. We know the world is not fair, yet we spend a lot of our time trying to teach our children that it is. So we said, be careful. We used the, we used the parable of, of the, the, the vineyard workers. And they all came one hour through three hours, six hours, nine hours, and finally the last one at 11 hours. And the 11th hour, one got paid the denarii. But the first people who were there that day, they, they made a bargain to say, I'm going to work for a denarii for the whole day. And then the master paid the 11th guy first with one denarii, so the other ones thought they were going to get some good stuff. But then he gave them one as well. And they got upset. And he said, why are you upset? Should I not be able to give as I see fit, basically, in my paraphrase of that word? He said, why are you jealous at my good heart? Why are you jealous because I'm generous? Didn't you not say you would work for one? Would you not have been happy if you worked for the one and the 11th guy didn't get that one? Uh Uh-huh. Well, you become jealous because you think you deserve more. Well, today, at the root, really, truly, of jealousy is greed. And so we're going to go through and share a little bit 
about greed, the power of generosity, because generosity breaks greed in your life. I didn't think I really had a problem with greed. Most of us don't. If I asked you if you were greedy, you'd say no, but you know somebody who is. Um, that's kind of the way that that works. <laughs> I'm not, no, I'm not greedy, but I know a guy. You know, this, this guy, this guy really is. He's got problems. We need, to, we need to pray for him, Pastor Corey. So, you know, we say stuff like that. No, not you, but I mean, like, we need to pray together. Like, you come to him. No, no, not him. <laughs> There's not a more generous soul around than this guy. I mean, he'll, he'll give you this coat if you want it today, and it fits. I tell you, he will. But, um... No, no, I meant like they would come to you and say that. I wasn't, I wasn't really trying to do that to you. It says greed, greed is excessive desire, especially for wealth or possessions. It's a lot easier to laugh about greed than to realize we have to cry about it. Now, here's the thing, and here, here's why sometimes we don't think maybe necessarily that, that we have a problem with greed. Greed isn't necessarily the absence of con- compassion in your life. You say, like, I really want to give to all these people. Greed, at, at, its, basic, at its basic point, is a refusal to act. See, it's a refusal to act on what God said. If you feel like God's heart's tugging you and pulling you in this direction, to give, not financially. This isn't necessarily a financial issue. This is a heart issue. Maybe he's asking you to give your time, or he's asking you to give something out of your possessions, or he wants to give you your, your finances. He wants you to give toward the, the Sudan or toward an extra thing here, an extra thing there, the youth, whatever that might be. But it's, your, it's your, your refusal to say, I don't think I can do that. Now, it's out of fear many times. When we act that way, we don't, we don't want to go there. It's out of fear. In, in my life, I began to be shown like all the stuff. I amass, I amass a lot of stuff for no apparent reason. For no, I mean, I got stuff, I've got stuff everywhere. And I, and I cleaned out all my closets last week. So this was really, this was really hard to, to start this message after I'd already cleaned out all my closets. And I, no lie, I mean, I've got like piles of stuff just like in my office. I got no place to put it because all my other stuff. And we do these things, see, we do all this because we want to, we want to, we want to save, we want to, be, we want to prepare. See, it, the problem with greed is it, it, hides, it hides itself on us. It hides as a virtue. I'm just trying to save. Now, I'm not saying go home and cash out your savings account in 501k or 401k and give it away and everything else, unless God says. But, that, you know, I mean, I'm just saying, we, we say that I'm keeping all of, I've got, five, well, here we go. I've got three wardrobes. Okay, I've got this wardrobe that I wear now. I've got the wardrobe when I'm 10, 20 pounds lighter. Then I've got another wardrobe when I'm 20 pounds lighter than that. What I've found is when I finally get back to that original one that's 40 pounds away from here, those clothes are so out of style that they're not good for anybody. But I've saved them and I have them in all of these places. Why don't I just give them away? Because I'm afraid that when I get to that point, I might need them again. Now, I could say that's just being frugal. But really, truly, it's a real problem because it messes with your head, too, because now you're so cluttered you can't operate. That's probably leading to my weight issue. It's the clutter. Very well could be. But Jesus said in Luke, in chapter 15, and he said to the ones who he was gathered around, he said, take heed and beware of covetousness or greed. For one's life does not consist in the abundance of the things he possesses. In the NIV, it says, watch out, be on guard against all kinds of, all kinds of greed. Maybe not the one you were thinking of when I mentioned it, but all kinds of greed. Life does not consist in abundance 
of possessions. It says in Matthew chapter 6, it says for us to lay up our treasures in heaven, like Pastor Pam shared on a, on a Wednesday night in, in her message uh, uh, in the offering. She shared about laying up treasures in heaven. We've talked about that before, living nonprofit on this earth and building a retirement account in heaven. It says, do not lay up for yourselves treasures on earth where moth and rust destroy, where thieves break in and steal, but lay up for yourselves treasures in heaven where neither moth nor rust destroys and where thieves do not break in and steal. For where your treasure is, there your heart will be also. And really, truly, at the end, and, and, and the main issue in, the, in this idea of greed is, is your decision to become a steward and not an owner. And, and, and this is a real revelation. And, and I know we know the story of, of the good steward, and we know the, the story of the faithful servant and the one who, you know, he, he gave the ten talents and the five talents and the one talent, and we know how all that story went. And when the ten did, used his and got ten more, and the five used his and got five more, whatever, and the one didn't use his and hid his. But those other two, he said, well done, my good and faithful servants. Enter into the joy or the happiness of the Lord. Because they went out and, and they used what God gave them. The other one was scared. It said he was fearful. And they were stewards because they were managing another man's assets. And in this world, we know and would probably say that God is the owner of all things. He is the owner, truly, of what you have in your house. He is the owner of your car and your house and your, and your clothes and all the stuff and your furniture, all the things that we have. God is really, truly the owner. We are just stewards of that. If I wasn't talking about greed and the idea and the thought might not come that you might have to give some of that away and I polled you, you would probably agree. You would probably say, yes, I do believe that God is the owner of all those things. Then the job of the steward, get this because this is important. The job of the steward is to be profitable for the boss, not to be profitable for himself. The steward does everything that he can to make the boss look good. The good steward does everything that he can with what's at his disposal to bring in the most wealth for the boss, not for him. The owner, on the other hand, is interested in receiving the most for themselves because he's the owner god wants the most but the most important thing to god we assume money and things the most important thing to god are souls are you and me those are the most important things he already owns all the cattle on a thousand hills he doesn't have to deal with stuff but he may use you in giving away your stuff. He may use you in giving away your talents. He may use you giving away your finances to bring people into his kingdom, which makes him satisfied. So we have to determine in our life, are we going to be the steward that God has intended for us to be? Because that takes great faith. Because that takes this idea of moving when God says move and giving when God says give, not holding on to because what if? God told me to give when the putt-putt came along. Elizabeth and I to, to put $1,000 into the putt-putt. And we had $1,000 at the time to put into the putt-putt. But I, I determined that it would be much easier and better if we did it over a period of time. Because I could scrape together $200 a month for four months and then actually five months. I could scrape together those $200 a month to do it. 
And then when I was done, I would still have my $1,000. Why? Because if I gave away my $1,000, what would I have if something happened? See, if I gave that away, what would happen? But here's, what, here's the deal. In the end, that $1,000 was gone anyway, and I still gave the 1000 bucks. And why not do it at first? Because if, it, if I do it at first, that says I trust you. Then I take his, what he told me to do, I take and make my plan, and that says I trust me more than I trust you. That's a problem. That's an issue. The owner will take care of the good steward. The owner will take care of the faithful steward. He said to the, to the faithful servant, enter into the joy of the Lord. Enter into the happiness of the Lord. He was glad. The good owner, and Jesus is. See, God is a good owner. He takes care of those who are faithful. How much stuff do we have sitting around in all of these different places that we don't give away? We don't do what God asks us to do. I'm not saying just go out and just give everything you have in your house. Don't push it all into the driveway and then just let people put free signs on it. I'm not, I'm not, I'm not saying that, but I am saying, be led. are you willing to be open and led by the Spirit of God to give all the time whenever he calls us to? Maybe he's calling you to. Okay, see? In that case, leave your phones on. If that's the way he's going to choose to operate, let's keep them on. I'm not setting you up. There's no offering when we're finished. But we will accept checks if you want to do that or cash. See, many times we don't act on the compassion in our heart. The the devil doesn't put compassion in your heart. Jesus is the compassionate one. He's on the inside of you. That's why your hearts are pulled with compassion when you see a need. The Christians and the believers in this world should be the greatest need meters that have ever lived. The the, The reasons why, many times when we don't act in our compassion is because we're afraid what might happen to us if we do. That's greed. Comes out of fear. I'm afraid what might happen if I do that. But God said, then now here's the deal. Do I do what God said or not do what God said? Well, obviously, we do what God said. You can figure out and connect the dots. And here's the deal. God hasn't given you a spirit of fear, but power, love, and a sound mind. And through all of this, see, this idea of me having all of these different wardrobes and things is to give me peace. So that if I get to that next level, I can have something to wear. Then I get to the next level, I still have something. See, it gives me peace. It says my peace is found in stuff. Your peace isn't found in stuff. It's a fruit. Peace is a fruit of the Spirit. It's not a place that you enter because you have things and money. Too many people in the world believe that money is the answer to peace in their life, and that's not true. People who have great wealth will tell you many times if you talk to them, if they're not following the word, if they're not following the kingdom principles in their life, they'll tell you that that money truly, if they got honest with you, is more of a hindrance and unpeaceful. Because all they're consumed with is trying to figure out how to keep it. Stock market's going crazy, so the people in this world are going nuts, and they're losing all of their peace, and they're going to die from stress and all of this stuff because they're trying to figure out how to keep it all. It's said in Luke, right there where we were, it's not in the abundance of things that you possess. 
And actually, that story goes on and talks about the, 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 the rich fool, it says, who wanted to build bigger barns because his increase was so much he didn't have enough to store it. So he tore down all of his small barns and built bigger barns so that he could have room to take it all in. Well, on the surface, that's a good idea. You don't want your, rot, your crops to rot. But listen to his heart. He said, and I, will make my, and I will say to my soul, soul, you have many goods laid up for many years. Take your ease, eat, drink, and be merry. You've amassed all of these things. Now relax and be lazy. That's not a virtue that God would have us live like. True peace is found in him. John 16, 33 and Galatians 5, 22 through 23 says this is the fruit of the spirit. It says he is peace. Here's the deal. He can, we've said this in this church for years. If he can get it through you, he will get it to you. Can he really truly get it through you? I mean, will you be an open vessel for him to flow? Will you be the one who'll say, okay, God, hands off, it's all yours. Whatever you say. The rich young ruler had a problem with that and he had an issue. Generosity breaks the grip of greed. Do you have stuff or does stuff have you? I live with two extremely generous ladies in my house. I never know what I'll come home to not being there. <laughs> or what my daughter will tell me to pay somebody <laughs> because she's given it away. Very generous. Don't have, don't have strings tied to stuff that we've learned really truly in our life that if God said, give it, give it. Now, I've got other issues with my wardrobe, so I'm dealing with that. I'm praying. But the rich young ruler, when he came to Jesus, he said, your answer really truly is in giving me your total heart, your total affection, and your total being. If you'll sell all that you have, give it away and give it to the poor, and then come and just follow me, you will receive that abundance of everlasting life that you so desire. And it said he went away sorrowful because he had what? Many things. Because he was very rich, determining on what, you know, which, which book you read it in. It says that I trust in riches right now in this place. Even though I came to you and asked you the question, what do I need to do to receive eternal life? I came to you to this place and said, I am the clay. Please, you're the potter. Mold me. I'm the one who's standing here before you today, and I'm asking you, God, please, I have come to you, and I want to know the answer. Please fix me. Help me. And when Jesus spoke the words to him that were going to set him free, the cost was too great. And so it said he went away sorrowful. Will you allow God to work on your heart? Will you allow God to work in your life? See, will you allow God to make you generous? Part of the problem is debt has saddled the church to a place where you have, you are almost, you are almost, not all the way. You are almost forced to think of you first. Because you have put yourself in a position where everything that you make today has to pay off yesterday's problems and issues. Therefore, you don't have today. See, a lot of people say, if I could just get rid of that, then I could be generous. Well, I'll tell you this, be generous where you are. And trust God to take care of all that. I know, I've been there. Saddled with debt, God told us, 
to give as he told us to give. Not just the 10% tithe, but dudes that came in here, mission trips that were going out, over and above stuff. I was constantly writing a check because God said, write a check. I could have said, dude, do you see the debt? There's not a chance. God gave us a plan. He told us what to do. He said, live within your means and give as I tell you to give. Live generously. And as we did that, I will tell you within a year, I do not know how, but God, we paid off all of it. And it was drowning us where we were. Generosity. Generosity, it opens up an avenue, not just in your life. See, not just in who you are. It doesn't just break greed in your life. It opens up an avenue for God to work through you in a way that you wouldn't even ever know he could. Amen. Not tied to stuff, not tied to things. Five suits or one suit. You know the story. I can't remember who it was. It was one of those guys, Copeland or Seville or I don't know, Creflo Dollar. God told him to give away his favorite suit. And he said, oh, God, I love this suit. So he gave a guy another suit. Then he prayed, and the next day the guy said, no, and God said, I told you to give him away your suit. And he said, well, I did give him a suit. He said, no, give him the one you're wearing. He said, I like that one, so he gave him another one. Kept his suit. And he did this five times. He gave this guy five suits. And in the end he said, God, maybe he did it four times, four suits, because the fifth one was really the one that God said give. And in the end he said, God, why would you have me give that guy four suits? He said, I didn't tell you to give him four. I told you to give him one, so you better give him the one that's on your back. And so he finally went and gave him that one suit, and he was, you know, he was good to go. Don't let stuff hold you. But debt has forced the church to be in that place. Every cent that we earn is spoken for. Well, how can I be generous if it's all spoken for? It's tough. It's tough. But we all fight that same battle. I'm I'm right there with you. Many times, this is what I do. I put it on a credit card so I can save my cash just in case. Oh, I'm not even buying anything I'm not supposed to buy. I mean, I went and thought I was going to be smart and build up miles on my credit card because I've been paying all this college tuition cash. Praise God, cash. Now I got two of them in there. And I got to pay some for her and I got to pay some for him. And we've been doing this for four years now. And, and it's cash. And all of a sudden it dawned on me. I could make some serious airline miles out of this if I just used my credit card. So I used, I said, well, heck yeah, man. How fast does that just spin out of control on you? Fast. Let me just tell you, fast. Plus, the fees they charged me were more than the miles. I could have bought two airplane tickets with the fees they charged me. That wasn't smart. But that was my plan. See, that was my plan. Did I check? Did I ask? Did I say, God, this? I thought I had an ingenious plan. I found out later it wasn't so ingenious. Because I'm a work in progress. Are you a work in progress? You have to guard your heart. You have to guard your heart, and you have to hear from him, and then you have to make adjustments. He's a surgeon. He's skilled. He's an artist. He's a craftsman. You're God's masterpiece, and what we can't realize or forget is is that he's the potter and we are the clay. It says in Ephesians 2.10, for we are God's masterpiece. He has created us, and in the New King James, it says we are his workmanship. 
He has created us anew in Christ Jesus so that we can do the good things that he planned for us long ago. Now, I'm going to play a video, and this is, a, this is an 11-minute video. So you don't have to listen to me hardly at all the rest of the day. Then you can go your way. But all I, all I ask is that you open up your heart and allow God to make this be your life. That this is you. Because really, truly, this is our heart. We would say that I want God to work on me. I want him to work in my life. Then you have to allow him the room and the leeway to work. So let's watch this for a few minutes. Ephesians 2.10 says that we are God's workmanship, that we're in essence his masterpiece. I don't know about you, but when I get up in the morning and look in the mirror, I don't see a masterpiece, you know? I mean, maybe a, a Picasso, you know? But I want to be a masterpiece. I want to be everything that God has created me to be. And so I go to him in prayer and I say, God, do whatever it takes to, to get things out of my life that don't need to be there. Mold me into the image of your son so that I can be your masterpiece. Hi. Whoa. Who are you? I'm God. <laughs> no, you're not. Yeah, you just said the person here I am. That's how it works. Oh, okay, okay. Um, if you're God, then make it snow in here. You know, if I made it snow in here, it'd get kind of yucky, and I really don't want to do that. See, you're not God. Why do you say that? God wouldn't say yucky. Yes, I do. It's a Greek word. Oh. Yeah. Oh, okay. If you're God, what does Lamentations 15, 9 say? Lamentations is a very short book. It only has five chapters. Why is it so short? I was tired of lamenting. Oh. Yeah. Uh, if you're God, who's going to win the World Series this year? You know what? I'm not so much into playing games. Why are you so much into playing games? You are God. Well, gave it away. You answered my question with a question. I did? <laughs> yep, I do that. Don't I? Get it again. <laughs> Step right up. Here we go. Okay. okay. All right. Hey, yeah. um, what's this about? These are the tools I'm going to use to make you into my original masterpiece. Oh, okay. Yeah. All right. Hang on. Yeah. I thought you were a carpenter. That's my son. Here we go. Step okay. right up. Here we go. All right. Whoa, whoa, whoa. Yeah. How do you know what to chisel and what to leave? I take out all the things in your life that aren't out of me, kind of like dead weight. Ooh, speaking of that, could you chisel right in here? I just can't get rid of it. I mean, the other went away, but this, I mean, I've tried exercising, I've watched what I ate, I even did Pilates for a while, that was awkward. But if you could chisel, all I mean, right... Are you talk or can I chisel, talk, chisel, talk, chisel, No, talk, no, 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 chisel. chisel. All right, most of my children just like to talk. Not me. Bring on the chisel. Here we go. All right. You have a lot of anger. Ow. Some pride. Ow. Compare yourself to others instead of me. Ow. You're lazy. <clears throat> but you pretend like you're really, really busy. <clears throat> you have a problem with lust. Okay. <laughs> Time out. <laughs> I do not have a problem with lust. You don't have a problem with lust. No, I can do it anytime I want. Okay. <sighs> wait, wait, wait. Um... Maybe, maybe we can take a little time out. I mean, I think I'm doing pretty good. You are doing good, but when you look in the mirror, who do you see? I see me. Okay, then I need to keep chiseling away because ultimately you and others need to see my son. Here we go. Okay, hold on, hold on. Um, don't take this the wrong way. It's just that when I start looking more like your son, um, people get uncomfortable around me, you know? I mean, even my friends at church, they're all like, oh, you're holier than thou. Why won't you do that, you know? I mean, not what you're doing right now is you'd rather play God in certain areas of your life than for me to be God over your whole life. I did not say that. That's what you meant. Yes, it is. It's hard to talk to you. I mean, you know everything I'm thinking. I'm just saying, you've done good work. Maybe we take a little break, a little time out, then we'll come back to right? it. What you're doing right now is so common. What you're doing right now is called control. Do you want to control things in your life, or can I chisel? Control, chisel, control. No, no, chisel. chisel. Here we go. 
No, can, can we chisel where I want them? It's called control. Okay. You've been holding on to this for a long time. You ready for this? Hurts me more than hurts you. Ow! I don't think you understand this pain. Don't talk to me about pain. I know all about pain. I sent my son to die on the cross for pain, for sin, but I also did it for another reason, to give you freedom. Do you know what insanity is? Insanity is doing the same thing over and over and over again and expecting different results. And there are the things in your life, you even think back to high school, that you've been doing that do not work in your life, but you go to these empty wells whenever you're hurting, whenever you're angry, whenever you're lonely and tired, but they do not work. No, no, okay, okay. Um, I'm thinking maybe Your we could... Your thoughts are not my thoughts. Oh, okay, but if we went another way... Your we ways could... are not my ways. Okay, well, look, I can't be good. You can't be good. I've made you good. Be good. Uh, uh, what? Nothing. What is it? No, you wouldn't understand. I, God of all the universe, wouldn't understand something one of my children has to say. Try me. It's just... God, I've let you down so many times. No. You were never holding me up. I hold you up with my victorious, righteous right hand. And don't you forget that. In this relationship, I hold you up. Okay. Chisel away. All right. But just... Just be prepared for what you're going to find in there. Because I know who's inside there. God, I get up every morning and I look at him in the mirror. And it is this, this scared little kid who gets up every day and tries to dress like an adult and act like an adult, but I can't. So just be prepared for what you're going to find in there. You have listened to so many voices for far too long that are not of me. You think you're junk, don't you? You really, really, really think you're junk. Listen to me. I don't make junk. What does that say about me? How can I show you that my love for you has no boundaries? I know. Reach in your back pocket. What? Reach in your back pocket. Why? Are you arguing with me? Reach in your back pocket. God. Yes? I was just saying, God, I'll do that right now. You were just saying my name in vain. You know what? It's, it's a name. It's a saying. It's, it's more it's... than a name. It's more than a saying. It's more than a bad habit. It's a name above all names. I want to teach you something about my name. Reach in your back pocket. You know what that is? This is a page from, from a journal I had when I was younger. How'd you get this? Hello? Oh, yeah. Go ahead, read it. I love Angie Holland. Other side. Sorry. I married her. I was there. Oh, oh yeah. Dear God, today I am turning everything over to you. I'm not going to hold on to anything anymore. Your word says that you will make me your masterpiece and use me to do great things. I don't see how it's possible. 
but I want that with all that I am. So please do whatever it takes to make me what you want. I love you, God. I love you too, Tommy. And I love you too much to leave you where you're at. So this salvation that you hold, don't let it be some sentimental gush or some head knowledge. I want you to work it out in every detail of your life. And don't compare yourself to someone else because that is just trivial nonsense. You are my original masterpiece. You are one of my workmanship and you I find favor. This, don't look at this as a prison, but look at this as a, a father disciplines his child. A father disciplines the ones he loves. I know, but it's going to be tough. Yes, it'll be tough. But you bought into the lie thinking everything was going to be easy when you said yes to me. It's not how it works. I want you to do something. I want you to look up there and I want you to say, Tommy is God's original masterpiece. Tommy. No, 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 no. The way you see yourself or you yearn so much for others to see you. But the way I see you. Tommy is God's original masterpiece. Yes, you are. So are you. God doesn't make junk. You are an original masterpiece. Why don't we stand up today as we pray? For we are God's masterpiece. He has created us anew in Christ Jesus so we can do the good things that he planned for us long ago. Are you willing in your life to allow God to sculpt you into what he wants you to be? Are you willing in your life to say, I have no limits? No, you can't go there. Are you willing to say, you can do whatever you want to do? Because as we cleanse our heart in this place today, as we finish our series on the affairs of the heart, it's about allowing him to shine his light into our life. Not holding a dark place somewhere, but saying everything. You have access, God, to everything that I am. Work in my life. But you don't know, like he said, you don't know what I've done. God does. And he cares. And he wants to help you. Get rid of that pain. Get rid of that weight. Get rid of that sin, that thing. That's ensnared you. But that's going to hurt. Yes, it might. But that is nothing when compared to the freedom that comes when you allow His Holy Spirit to do a work in your life. And the biggest loser, they cry and complain. They, 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 they literally cry. They're broken down. But in the end, not one of them says, well, it, all that hard work wasn't worth it. Well, all that pain wasn't worth it. In the end, when they reach their freedom from the things that have been holding them back in their lives, they're so excited they don't even care about the pain that it took to get there. And the ones who follow the program when they leave the show continue to get stronger, continue to flourish, continue to have success in their life. But there have been a handful who didn't. They panned back into their life and they fell back into their old habits. They fell back into their old ways 
They gave up on the stuff that set them free. And they ended up worse off than when they started the show or on their way. Today in this place, with every head bowed and every eye closed, I just want to give you an opportunity before God. We hope you've been encouraged, strengthened, and challenged in your walk with Jesus. If you need prayer for situations in your life, we encourage you to email us at prayer at victorylafayette.org or call our offices at 765-447-7777. If you desire to make Jesus the Lord of your life, or if you've drifted away from the relationship you once had, I encourage you to pray this prayer with me today. Heavenly Father, I believe that you love me. I believe Jesus died for me and rose from the dead. Today, I confess Jesus as my Lord and Savior, and I receive the forgiveness for all my sins. Holy Spirit, I thank you that you come into my life and empower me to live a victorious life. Thank you for saving me. In Jesus' name, amen.